0: This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Camp Brown. and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. For these next few moments, I want us to think together about a word which is heard many times during any Christmas season. It's a word which is very familiar to you, but before I give you that word, I want to describe some of the meanings of that word. See if you can figure out what this word is before I tell you. The word means praise, honor, distinction, brilliancy, or splendor. We sometimes use this word to mean the same as heaven. We describe a nation with this word when it is at the height of prosperity, It's a word which sometimes means radiant beauty. Do you have a clue yet as to what this word is? Well, the word is glory. The word glory appears 350 times in the Bible. It has lots of different meanings in these usages. Ordinarily, it means the presence, the nature, and the character of God. Can you think of some Bible verses in which this word glory is found. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In Exodus twenty four seventeen, and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mount, in the eyes of the children of Israel. The eighth Psalm, the first verse, proclaims this, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. And then in the 19th Psalm, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. And you remember in the Christmas narrative from Luke 2, lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, that's the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Then over in Acts chapter 7, speaking of the death of the first Christian martyr, Stephen, but he, being full of the Holy Spirit, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. It's almost impossible to go through a Christmas season without sensing at least something of the feeling of this glory, which is almost in the air at this time of the year. The glory of the Lord shone around about those shepherds as that night as they watched their flocks. When Jesus came to the earth, it really was a time for glory, and he changed all about him into a new kind of glory. And since that night of nights so long ago, People have still had their lives changed into a new kind of glory when they have met Jesus. Some of us who are from South Carolina will remember the name Archibald Rutledge, great man who was for so long the poet laureate of South Carolina before his death. Archibald Rutledge has written a wonderful story about a man named Sam, the engineer of a tugboat on the Santee River years ago. According to Dr. Rutledge, of all the places known to man, the engine room of a tiny tugboat is about the worst place you can imagine. The odors from the kitchen, smokestack, and the engine combine to make a horrible smell. Added to this, there's grease, slime, and grime. Dr. Rutledge said he had often crossed the river on a tugboat named the Foam, and it almost always made him sick. But one day, he climbed aboard this tugboat, and he had the shock of his life. He saw a new engineer. No, it was not a different person. It was the same old Sam, but it was a different Sam. He was sitting in the doorway of the engine room reading his Bible. His clothes were clean. There was a strong sense of deep wisdom in his eyes, rather strange, And on his face, there was an obvious sense of peace with God, with himself and with the world. And the engine of that tugboat, this was now a thing of beauty. The brass parts shone. The old dirty water beneath his chair was gone. Mops, brooms, and tools were all in their place. And there sat Sam calmly reading his Bible. All this was more than the curiosity of Dr. Rutledge could stand. And so he asked the reason. Sam's reply was classic. Captain, he said, I's got a glory. Well, what had actually happened to Sam was that he had met Jesus and his life had been changed. Sam had been given a new life in Christ. He had become a new creation during this Christmas season, we too can get a glory. It is true that Christ may already live in the hearts and lives of many of us, but maybe the fullness of glory is not there yet. If we do get a glory, then several things will happen to us. One thing is our affections will change. We may be all worried up now over some things to come, some situation ahead of us, but if we could see this in the light of eternity, it would be so small. When Sam's affections changed, he spent his spare time in a different way, reading his Bible. The scripture tells us to set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. The hymn reminds us, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, a little chorus we used to sing years ago when I was a child had these words. Things I loved before have passed away. Things I love far more have come to stay. Things are different now. Something happened that day when I gave my heart to Him. Yes, our affections will change when we get a glory. Another thing will change will be our speech. Dr. Rutledge didn't say this, but I have an idea that Sam's glory that he got had an influence on his speech. It may not have been overnight, but I think the desire of Sam's heart after he got his glory was to let the words of his mouth be acceptable in God's sight. When we get a glory, our speech changes too. Maybe it's not from profanity to purity, It may be from idleness to meaning, from criticism to praise, from fault-finding to encouragement. You know, human speech is a wonderful thing. It's been estimated that we speak about 30,000 words every day. Somebody said some people probably speak in gusts up to 50,000 words. That would make a fair-sized book. In a normal lifetime, your words would fill a library with all the books there written by the same author, you, all the words would be written exactly as you spoke them. Not a word would be changed. It's no wonder the psalmist prayed, let the words of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight. What else changes when we get a glory? Well, glory brings wisdom. When old Sam got a glory, he also obtained wisdom maybe not in the book sense. He didn't have another diploma to hang on the wall or or even his first one, but in a greater sense. Sam's face spoke of an experience which all cold book learning could not produce. I certainly am an advocate of formal education. I'm glad we have institutions of learning, but wisdom does not necessarily come from an institution. It depends on the student this is as true of preachers as it is of anyone else. Someone once said that he'd rather listen to a preacher who said, I seen when he had seen something than to listen to a preacher who said, I saw when he hadn't seen anything at all. Well, the quality of our work is another thing that changes when we get a glory. Sam cleaned up all around him when he had that experience with the Lord. He took a new look at his surroundings and he improved his work. That tugboat on which Sam made his living may have operated the same way both before and after Sam got a glory, but surely those who came into contact with Sam saw a change in the quality of his work. We all have a unique work to do. God has placed us here on earth and given us a calling like he has given to no other person The poet Edwin Markham said it beautifully. To each one is given a marble to carve for the wall, a stone that is needed to heighten the beauty of all. And only his soul has the magic to give it grace. And only his hands have the cunning to put it in place. Yes, the task that is given to each one, no other can do. So the errand is waiting. It has waited through ages for you, and now you appear, and the hushed ones are turning their gaze to see what you do with your chance in the chamber of days. Well, I want to mention just one other thing that happens when we get a glory, and that is that God gives us a mission to fulfill. Dr. Paul Brand, medical doctor, was born in India, where he spent 18 years pioneering research in the disease of leprosy. He attained international recognition as a hand surgeon. Among many other honors, he was given the title Commander of the Order of the British Empire by Queen Elizabeth. In his book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, Dr. Brand tells of what happened to him one day when he got a glory. Let me relate this to you, if I may, in Dr. Brand's own words. This experience happened to me my first year in India. I'd had a general feeling I was supposed to be a missionary. So after my medical training, I agreed to journey to India, the country of my birth. When the medical college first proposed my going, I stipulated a one-year contract because I was still tentative about my whole future. I went and taught performed surgery and filled whatever daily functions came up on the hospital staff. Then, after being there a few months, I visited Doctor Robert Cochrane, a renowned skin specialist at the Leprosy Sanitarium in Chingleput, a city there a few miles of town south of Madras. My own hospital did not admit leprosy patients, and I had seen none professionally. Dr. Cochrane showed me around the grounds of his hospital, nodding to the patients who were squatting, stumping along on bandaged feet, or following us with their unseeing, deformed faces. Gradually, my nervousness, as a result of my childhood memories, melted into a sort of professional curiosity. And my eyes were drawn to the hands of the patients hands waved at me and stretched out in greeting. I study hands, as some people study faces. Often I remember them better than I do faces. But these were not the exquisite paradigms of engineering I had studied in medical school. These hands were twisted, gnarled, ulcerated stumps. Some were like metal claws. Some were missing fingers. Some hands were missing altogether finally I could restrain myself no longer. Look here, Bob, I said to the doctor. I interrupted his long discourse on skin diseases. I don't know much about skin. Tell me about these hands. How do they get that way? What do you do about them? The other doctor, Bob, shrugged and said, sorry, Paul, I can't tell you. I don't know. Don't know? I responded with obvious shock and amazement. You've been a leprosy specialist all these years and you don't know? Surely something can be done for these hands. (coughs) Bob Cochrane, the other doctor, turned on me almost fiercely. And whose fault is that, may I ask? Mine or yours? I'm a skin man. I treat that part of leprosy. But you are a bone man, the orthopedic surgeon. More calmly, with sadness in his voice, he went on to tell me that not one orthopedic surgeon had yet studied the deformities of 15 million leprosy victims in the world. (coughs) As we continued our walk, his words sank into my mind. Far more people were afflicted by leprosy than those deformed by polio or those mangled by auto accidents worldwide but not one orthopedist to serve them. Cochrane told me why he thought this was true. Simple prejudice. Leprosy was surrounded by an aura of black magic. Most doctors would not get close to the leprosy patients. The few who did were idealistic or sometimes priests or missionaries. A few moments later, I noticed a young patient sitting on the ground, trying to take off his sandal. His disabled hands would not cooperate as he attempted to wedge the sandal strap between his thumb and the palm of his hand. He complained that he could never grasp things. They always slipped from his hand. On sudden impulse, I moved toward him. Please, I asked in his language, may I look at your hands? The young man arose and smiling thrust his hands forward. I held them in mine, almost reluctantly. I traced the deformed fingers with my own, and I studied them intently. Finally, I pried his fingers open and placed my hand in his in a handshake grip. Squeeze my hand, I directed, and squeeze it as hard as you can. To my amazement, instead of the weak twitch I had expected to feel, a sharp, intense pain raced through my palm. His grip was like a vice, with fingers digging into my flesh like steel talons. This man showed no paralysis. In fact, I cried out to him to let me go. I looked up angrily, but was disarmed by the gentle smile on his face. He did not know he was hurting me, and that was the clue. Somewhere in that severely deformed hand were powerfully good muscles. They were obviously not properly balanced, and he could not feel what force he was using, but could they be freed? I felt a tingling as if the whole universe was revolving around me. I knew I had arrived in my place. Dr. Brand concluded, That single incident in 1947 changed my life. From that instant, I knew my calling as surely as a cell in my body knows its function. Every detail of that scene, the people standing around the grounds, the shade of the tree, the questioning face of the patient whose hand I was holding, is still etched into my mind. It was my moment. And I had felt a call, of the Spirit of God. I was made for that one moment in that place. And I knew when I returned to my base, I would have to point my life now in a new direction. And I have never doubted it since. That's the story of Dr. Paul Brand, who, by the way, I happened to have the privilege of meeting several years ago on a retreat in North Carolina at a conference center called Canoga. Yes, this Christmas season can be just another one, or it can be a time when you get a glory. It's God's will that you have such a glory, and then a greater one, and then another one. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, the Apostle Paul says, But we all, with open face, beholding as on a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We're going to close our service this morning as we sing a stanza of a hymn written by the great hymn writer, Charles Wesley, who said the same thing, but in different words. The words of the hymn, Finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee changed from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love and praise. Will you pray with me? Oh God, we know that during this Christmas season we can all get a glory because you have it just waiting on us. So we pray, Father, that during this time now, as we prepare for the coming of the celebration of our Savior Jesus, we might truly get a glory, and that that glory we get might be used in gratitude and thanksgiving and in sharing it with other people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.